Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. All right, there's the end of the jam. I thought about jumping in a little bit early, but come on. Once you get to the earthquake part, you got to just you got to just let that sucker roll. Good day everyone. This will be the usual 25-ish minute episode of Fantasy NBA Today. This is one of our bonus ones we're doing, I'm hoping, all season long, provided I can find the content for it. It's by low time. Week 7 in the association. Yeah, it's the in-season tournament stuff. Uh, but our by lows, our sell-high shows, those are a full-season attack. It does not have anything to do with streaming this week. We are ignoring schedules. This is all about isolating player value based off of performance up to this point against performance going forward. I am Dan Bespris. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, sportsethos.com, Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. I am, of course, over on social at Dan Bespris. And please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe, and join our delightful Sports Ethos Discord. I've mentioned that a number of times here lately. There is a very obvious and quite reasonable set of circumstances as to why we're talking about discord more and the big reason is um twitter's probably gonna die in like the next i don't know eight months 12 months two years at some point it's happening and we just want to make sure that you guys all have a place to go so there's the link up on your screen it's in the show description as well come hang out with us there i'm gonna leave that up for the next little bit while i throw the buy low board in behind me here we are buy lows for week seven I added a few new features to this one. I thought it might be kind of fun for us to do the following, which is look back at what happened last week. This is not the full list to those that are watching. Uh, It's a two-page recap. But I thought it might be kind of fun to see how the buy-low recs went from the previous week and basically what that might mean for us going forward. So last week, Jaron Jackson Jr., remained the biggest buy low on the board. He actually has seen an uptick. He went from number 97 last Tuesday afternoon. He's now at number 75 on Yahoo. That's a nice little bump. There's more to come. Jalen Brown was also on our board last week. I knew that one was going to be a harder one because he scores a lot, and those guys are always tougher to get. But he also got better, went from 98 to 79. DeMar DeRozan was on the board last week. I think he was like 65, and now he's at 68. So basically, effectively no change week over week. Uh, Julius Randle was on the board last week, not a guy that I ever targeted under almost any circumstances, but he also went up with a better week from 215 to 183. OG Ananobi did nothing last week. He was like 106. Now he's at 109, no, 111. So again, basically no change. And then Jalen Williams, a slight uptick from about 100 to about 90. Not a massive jumper. You know, JJJ and Brown saw the bigger leaps. But Jalen Williams also did have a couple of good games, one against the Lakers, and then their last one, uh, that weird one against the Mavericks, he had a bigger scoring output. We still think, when I say we, royal we, that's I, I still believe that Jalen Williams will see his steals increase. um, And that's going to be the reason that you can actually go get him, uh, or you'd want to go get him as he continues to climb the board. These are the repeat names from last week. OG is still a buy low. DeMar DeRozan is still a buy low uh, because those guys really didn't change week over week. And then I also thought it'd be worthwhile for me to put this on the list. There's still more room to go on Jalen Williams and JJJ, even though those guys have started to trend up. And yes, it'll be harder to pull off the trade now. 
because they've each had a couple of good ball games. The price tag on them is going to get higher. I still think the price tag is worth the swing. You know, where last week it was like the most obvious calls on earth. This week it's a little bit less obvious, but I still think that there's value on those guys. Uh, and so they can, you can effectively call them repeat by lows, but I didn't want to spend a bunch of time on them since we talked about JJJ and Jalen Williams last week. And then again on the repeat list, OG, DeRozan, those guys didn't really move week over week. So I still think that there's some built-in value there, especially if Chicago blows it up. But frankly, even if they only get rid of Zach Levine, you'll see DeMar start to improve. And more than anything, we just know DeMar's free throw percent is going to go up. It's very low right now. And you're like, oh, Dan, it's only like 4% lower. Yeah, that's a big deal for someone whose value is pretty heavily tied up in his free throw shooting. His fantasy value is not based entirely on that, but that's a big reason why it's in there. But let's go ahead and get to one of the first names on this week's board, and that first player is DeMar's teammate, Mr. Zach Levine, who's currently ranked number 80 in 9-cat. He is out, with air quotes, for a sore foot, which I think is sort of the worst-kept secret on earth that he's actually just out because he's on the trade block and they don't want his sore foot, which is probably real, but they don't want it getting any worse. I'm going to take that Discord link off the board now. So they're just... Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize... You're out of drinks. Boo, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Letting it go. Like, I, I, don't, I do think that he has a sore foot. I don't want to say that that's completely made up, but I don't think, like, I think he could be playing through it if they, if they really wanted to. But... The smart thing, the prudent thing to do is what they're doing right now, and that's giving him some time off. And at the end of this this sort of week reevaluation, which would be coming up, like, could he get into their next ball game on Wednesday? Yeah, it's a possibility. Uh, do I think he will? No, I think they probably give him a little bit longer. But I think they'll probably let him get out there and play from time to time while he remains on the trade block. And that's all well and good. I don't think it's going to do much to this buy low and frankly this is a buy low on the idea that he's probably going to get moved by the way i'm going off of yahoo's numbers today i think basketball monster has levine in the mid 70s you can look at the numbers and you can say zach levine is not all that far off from usual which is close to accurate but not entirely the big thing with levine that uh i personally feel is the reason why he makes the buy low board. In addition to the fact that 
his return is somewhat nebulous and we don't really know what the this situation is with his foot and blah 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 uh he's way down in field goal percent from three from the field whatever you want to chalk it up and because of that he's just not doing as much he's not shooting as often he's hitting less of his shots he's at 44 percent. that's the lowest for him in five years uh Basically, since he's been in Chicago, he's been much closer to 50. He was at 51 uh, in the 72-game season, uh, 48 the year after that. Last season, he was at 48 and a half, 49. I don't even need him to get back up to 18 shots a game. I don't know that that necessarily happens. I just need him to get back to where he was in shooting numbers. And it's quite conceivable that the foot could be a part of that. It's also quite conceivable that a couple of bad shooting games for him have kind of artificially depressed the number. He came out of their last ball game. It was a blowout loss. He only played 24 minutes. Overall, he's been above 36, closer to 37 minutes in the games that aren't blowouts. And his numbers are not all that far from his career mark. So I just don't see the reason to be in full panic over Levine. And anywhere he gets traded... He's going to have a pretty reasonable role. Somebody that wants him is going to want to deploy him. And so I do believe that for Levine, you can expect him to move up the board, not like a, a rocket boost from 80 to 30 or something like that, but I do think that 80 to 55 is a pretty reasonable target for him. And if you're looking at Basketball Monster, he's already at 71, so getting to 55 from there is actually very easy. That's a couple of decent ball games. And frankly, once he gets to a new place, whatever that might be, or if the Bulls somehow end up playing him through this and you see the field goal percent tick up by even two percentage points, along with that, you'll see the scoring uptick. You'll see an ever so slight increase in three-pointers. It all just comes with a few more shots over the span of a week or a month going in. But the real reason, like most people are not selling on Levine because of the field goal percent or that he's slightly lower than where they expected him to be. Most people that would be selling on Levine are worried about how long he's going to be shut down. And that's reasonable. But I think you have an opportunity to go get a guy who can be a top 60, top 55 type of player for pretty close to what his current rank is. Which is kind of cool because normally you have to overpay for guys that can score. And right now, I don't think you need to. I think you could go get Zach Levine for most of the guys that are ranked right near him. Jakob Pertl is right nearby. You could probably get him for Pertl. Uh, you could probably get him for his teammate, Vooch, if you wanted to. I don't know that I would. Uh, Kyle Kuzma is ranked almost the exact same. It's not all that much separating those guys right now. Uh, but I certainly think that Levine has a better full season than Kuzma does. Or if you wanted to go down the board just a tiny bit, look for a, a bigger name like a Brandon Ingram, who's fantasy profile is not that different than Levine's. The way the thing that folks don't notice is that Levine hits an extra one to one and a half three-pointers a game and is a better free throw shooter. You can kind of slip that under the radar. I think there are some guys you could use that have name power that I don't think are headed all that far up the board that might get it done. Devin Vassell after a good ball game would be one to try. Keldon Johnson after his next big ball game would be one to try. I do think there's a way to get Zach Levine pretty cheap right now. And so he's the first name on the board. Cam Johnson is the next name on the board, and this is a little bit of a dumb one, uh, and the reason that this is a little bit of a dumb one is because Cam Johnson was actually ranked lower two weeks ago 
and I think he was on our board two weeks ago, but he's still there because I don't think that people, and I he wasn't going to go on here, except I, I put that question back out into the social ether on like Wednesday or Thursday of last week. And I was like, who's been your most frustrating draft pick? And someone was like, Cam Johnson. I was like, wait a minute. What have I not seen happening here? Uh, okay, I know he missed, you know, two weeks. So he's only at 12 games and a lot of the NBA is at 18 or 19. I get it. But like, what really is people's problem with Cam Johnson so far? On the season, he's averaging 15 points, six rebounds, three assists, just under a steal, only 29 minutes. Field goal percent is 45 and a half. Free throw is 83. Okay, I don't see a whole lot wrong with that. But then maybe we could dig a little bit deeper. Over the last two weeks, he's averaging 16 and a half points, 2.73s, 6.8 rebounds, four assists. He's shooting 50 and a half percent from the field, still in the low 80s at the free throw line. But I don't know that anybody's even really noticed the difference because it's pretty subtle. 0.8 rebounds, one assist, one and a half points. And then the better field goal percent, which no one ever pays attention to. And that was all it took to get him from the season numbers, which put him uh, basketball monster. He's around 90. Yahoo's at 89. The, the weird thing here, I think, is that nobody even really noticed that he's been much better than that 90 rank. And it's just these little tiny tweaks in a few categories. The field goal percent was a little better. The rebounds, the assists, the points, they're all just a little bit better. But guys move so fast in this range. Going from 90 to 55 doesn't take all that much. And the beauty part with Cam Johnson is that there's room to grow. Because the steals haven't even really come around yet. And he's typically a guy who gets you one or more steals per ball game, and he's not even at that number. Also worth noting, over the last two weeks, his minutes are above 30, not by a lot, 30 and change, uh, but trending upward as he gets fully recovered from his, what do you call it, season opening injury, but he got hurt pretty early in the year, much like last season. So because of all of that, I still feel like he's being treated like a top 90 guy, even though he's been playing like a top 60 guy for two weeks, because nobody's even really noticed the difference. So I think your end target for him is around 60. I think the buy low price range for Cam Johnson, I would go as high as 75, but you might not even have to go that high. And again, there's like all this wiggle room in what an actual rank means. But guys between 75 and 90 right now that have some name power uh, that might get it done. We just mentioned a few of them. Devin Vassell, I think Cam passes him. Uh, Keldon Johnson, I think Cam passes him. Uh, I think you could actually get more than Cam Johnson for Brandon Ingram because he's scoring 24 points a ball game. That would probably almost definitely get it done. Jalen Duran at 91 would get it done. I know there's a lot of Jalen Duran love. I have some as well. Uh, but I do think that he's sort of come back to earth. He probably is a little bit better than 91 also. Um, the guys behind Cam Johnson, I don't know how many would get it done. Jeremy Grant, probably not, although he's hurt right now. So maybe... Dennis Schroeder's at 100, but people might think of the seven assists per ball game. They might give up on Schroeder for Cam. Uh, Drew Holiday, who I actually think is more of a buy low, but I, I think I'd rather have Cam Johnson. He's in there. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who's been great, but just doesn't do everything. There are a lot of players you could float for Cam Johnson right now. Buddy Heald would be an interesting one because he's been playing well since he moved into the Indy starting lineup. 
but there's no guarantee that that's a thing that sticks long term. Even though Heald has been, you know, top 40 since moving into the starting five. If you have fears that he gets pulled out of the starting lineup or traded or whatever, that would be another one you could try to flip out there. Anyway, still think there's room to grow on Cam Johnson. So even though from two weeks ago when he was already a buy low, he's very much a hit from that show, I think you could do even more with him. Next name on the board is Walker Kessler, who I didn't think was going to be able to make this list because he came back from his injury and he was playing pretty well. But so they still haven't moved him into the starting five over Omer Yurtseven. And that, to me, is reason why people are getting a little bit, I don't think uh, for any reason, but a little bit nervous that he's just going to like permanently be a 24-25 minute bench guy behind Omer. First of all, I don't think that's going to be the case. Second of all, Kessler's been running top 65 since he came back from his injury. Uh, and that's in only 25 minutes per ball game. So there's obvious room to improve. He's currently ranked 115 overall on the year in 9-cat, despite the recent surge, if you want to call it that. And I think there's an easy path for him to get to top 50 or better. But the beauty of Walker Kessler is I think you could still get him for someone in the 75 to 100 range. So yes, obviously he's more expensive now than he was at the beginning of the year when we didn't know what the hell was going on with him. But there's a lot of players, and we just talked about them for Cam Johnson, that could almost definitely get you Walker Kessler. Now, the player that has him, this is not a sure bet. Someone that has him might be smart and might notice that he's been top 65 even while coming off the bench and think there's just no way I'm going to sell him for anything less than 65. In such a case, I think you could still consider going to buy on Kessler with like a Clint Capella. He's exactly number 65. His fantasy profile is extraordinarily similar but without any upside. Terry Rozier is running hot right now with LaMelo Ball out. He might get it done. Yusuf Nurkic, I think, is running at about as good as he's going to get in Phoenix because his job will get a little bit smaller when Bradley Beal comes back. He's not going to change it all that much, but he's at 61. Uh, Trey Murphy, if somebody's super excited about his first couple of ball games, that probably won't make it happen. Kuzma at 72 would almost definitely get it done. But if you can do it for cheaper, try to do it for cheaper. Try to do it for uh, all those guys I just mentioned, Ingram or Keldon Johnson or Devin Vassell or I don't know if I... I mean, Mitchell Robinson is very similar to Kessler but shoots 39% at the free throw line. Like, that's also a number that could get a little bit better. Mike Conley at 77, probably not exciting enough to get it done. Jabari Smith Jr. has been playing well lately. Maybe that gets the job done, but maybe you could pair him with someone. I would not go Jakob Pertl because he's been running top 50 since... He sort of settled into his job. Um, but there's, again, a lot of names that I think would get this thing done. And for Kessler, we're already seeing 65 off the bench. If they flip it and he starts playing 28, 29, 30 minutes of ball game, we saw it at the end of last year. He's top 40 or better. If he clears 30 minutes somehow, Walker Kessler could easily be a third rounder. And at the end of last season, he was a second rounder. So that's not completely out of the question. He's still a buy low, even after this recent stretch of slightly better play, because I think there's even more room to improve. And then finally, and this dude was the cover 
uh, art on this particular show is Keegan Murray, who, in my opinion, might be the easiest buy low call I see on the board right now. Uh, he's 106 on Basketball Monster. He's 101 on Yahoo. His numbers are being artificially deflated by a game or two where he's left part way. Last night's game, he left, went to the locker room, actually came back and finished it up. I love the steals this year from Murray. I love the increase in rebounds this year. Uh, I love his opportunity this year at 12.3 shots per game. The only thing I don't love about Keegan Murray so far is that he's shooting 39%, which to me feels like a number that's probably not going to be the full-time number. Because right now, last season, he shot 41% from downtown. This year, he's at 31%. Last year, 45% from the field, as we just mentioned. This year, 39 His minutes are up from 29 and change to 32 and change. I love it. Steals have moved up with the minutes. Rebounds have moved up with the minutes. Assists have moved up with the the minutes. The only thing that hasn't really gone up is scoring. He went from 12.2 to 12.9. But the reason behind that is because he's making fewer shots. Per attempt, that's called a lower field goal percent. If the field goal percent, the three-point, the two-point, whatever, if that inches up even a little bit, he goes racing past his current mark. And if he gets all the way back to 45% from the field last year and all the way up near 40 from three like last year, you're talking about a dude who's now hitting close to three three three-pointers a game who sees his scoring go up by another probably two-ish points per ball game. And now you're talking about 15-6-2 with 1.7 defensive stats, almost three three three-pointers, and percentages that aren't really harming you. That's a guy that's inside the top 70. But I don't believe he's being valued as a guy inside the top 70. And so I think you can probably get him for someone in the 80-105 to range, which again, these are these players I keep talking about. Malcolm Brogdon is ranked very close to Keegan Murray on the year. I would rather have Keegan Murray. DeAnthony Melton, I would rather have Keegan Murray. Dennis Schroeder, I would rather have Keegan Murray. Bruce Brown, I'd rather have Keegan Murray. Cam Johnson, eh, it's close. I might rather have Cam. Jalen Williams, it's close. I might rather have Jalen Williams also. Uh, let's see. Who else is, would get it done? Keldon Johnson, rather have Keegan Murray. Even Devin Vassell, I think I'd rather have Keegan Murray. And these guys, now you're getting up near 80. I don't think you should have to go much past that, though. He's ranked, again, outside the top 100, no matter where you're looking. And somebody's going to be getting a little bit annoyed with the back injury and the in and out of the locker room and whatever else is going on with him. But to me, he's a guy where we've got at least two and a half to three rounds of value over where he's currently sitting, possibly even more than that based on some of what we've seen with his fantasy profile and his increase in usage this year at the expense of world's most boring fantasy player, Harrison Barnes. And that's your board, ladies and gentlemen. That's your buy low board for week seven. I'm hoping that that was uh, somewhat instructive. We don't have, and as the season goes, you probably will have to be sort of slicing at the edges a little bit more. Uh, But there were a couple of names on that list for sure that you guys can buy low on. Some of them, as we mentioned, the repeat offenders from uh, weeks past, some of them, like DeMar DeRozan and OG Ananobi, are still relatively affordable. Some, like JJJ and Jalen Williams, are a little bit more expensive because they're already starting to hit. Uh, But this is how you find little improvements. And the fun thing about Walker Kessler is that you can trade a center with a similar profile but less upside 
to probably get him today. And I think those last two names, I think those were the last two on the list, right? I think those last two names are probably the ones you want to attack the hardest because I also think that they have the biggest room for improvement and also might at the same time be the easiest one to do. I'm going to say one question here. Uh, Point Blank Mish says, I wish Dan could tackle James Harden on the buy low as well. So here's the thing about James Harden. Uh, he's number 34 in 9-cat already. I don't think you can really buy low on him after a couple of decent ball games, which is basically what he's done. Harden has been doing more pretty much every single game since coming to the Clippers. In his last three ball games, he has 12 three-pointers, 26, 18, and 21 points, 6, 7, and 9 assists. He has 7 steals over those three ball games. Uh, he's made 11 out of 12 free throws. He's shooting around 50% for those games. He's just not a buy low right now. Even if you think he ultimately has better season numbers than where he is at this moment, which I think is quite reasonable because at 34, you know, he's a guy that can easily be better than that. But if you're like just looking at the last week, he's number nine. He's a first-rounder over the last week of basketball. So that's very much not a buy-low, point-blank, Mish. I'm sorry to bring you the bad news on that one. If anything, he's a sell-high for when the field goal percent takes a little dip. But again, you're talking about slim, slim margins there. That's why James Harden isn't on the buy-low board anymore is because he's been playing too well the last week, week and a half. Uh, and whoever has him is going to be like, this is great. I'm just going to ride this out. This dude is more efficient than usual. Uh, his numbers are uh, not like the assists are not eye-popping right now at like seven and some odd over that stretch. But, you know, 22 points, seven assists, four boards, four three-pointers over two steals a game on 51-92 splits. Again, that's a first-rounder, even in a small sample size. So that's not a guy that somebody's going to be letting their grip loose on for uh, an affordable price. Sorry to be the bearer of bad news on that one but he's not a buy low. And frankly, the only, I think, guy on the Clippers who right now might be considered a buy low is Paul George, who was better in their last ball game, but he's seen himself fall from mid-first round to mid-second round because he's cooled off over the last week, week and a half. Kawhi Leonard has been pretty solid over that stretch uh, overall. And, and, you know, the, uh, opponents have played a role in this, but Kawhi's number 15 over the last week. And then Paul George is down at number 79 because he hasn't been able to hit a, throw a stone in the ocean, basically. And he's got one steal over the last week of basketball. But I, again, I don't know. Like, say he got off to such a hot start, the player that has him might not even have noticed that he's cooled off. So I don't think there's a buy low on anyone on the Clippers right now. But believe me, when it pops up, if it pops up, we'll be talking about it. All right, that's your buy low show, everybody. No questions on this one. We reserve those for the, uh, the general recap shows which will be firing up about 10 minutes from now. So make sure to loop back around, subscribe to the YouTube page so you don't miss the show that's coming up after this one. We'll have a sell high tomorrow. And I'd like to debut, if timing works, we'll debut a brand new Dynasty-focused episode uh, with Mark Camaro, which I'm hoping we can do on Thursday. He'll give us sort of like the quick 15 to 20-minute These Are the Dynasty changes. I'm not going to be talking that much on that show because you all know I don't do a ton of Dynasty. But we'll get an expert on. We'll pick his brain That'll be a lot of fun. I've got all these really fun show ideas that I really want to get going, um, and it just comes down to time. All right, everybody. Thanks again. Like, rate, subscribe. You guys know the deal. We'll see you guys in a few minutes.